0: Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. So I'm Mike, I'm a member of this congregation. Uh, Two weeks ago, I was speaking in Uganda, in Africa, and they said to me, we would like you to speak for between an hour and a half and two hours. (laughs) Now, you'll be pleased to know that I am not going to carry on that practice here this afternoon. Um... Yeah, Africans—they just love long services and they love listening, and they and they're very—they listen all the time and they take notes. So, um, we are looking at the Book of Hosea, which is one of the prophets of the Bible, uh, a person who brought God's word to the Jews at that time, about 600 years before Jesus was born, and his words are recorded in the Bible so that they are relevant for us today. Because when God speaks, it's not just necessarily for that time, but his word has an eternal quality to it. And there's something we can learn from it here today. So we're looking at chapters 6 and 7 of Hosea. And um, here's what Hosea has to say to the Jews. He starts off, he repeats words that they're saying. They're, They're saying to each other, come, let's return to the Lord. He's torn us to pieces, but he'll heal us. He's injured us, but he'll bind up our wounds. They're looking for healing. In fact, in the beginning of Hosea 6, there's three three things that the Jews are looking for that are still relevant for us today. Healing. Now, we actually in this church believe that God has the power to heal people. Um, Jesus, it says in Matthew chapter 4, went all over Galilee and he healed everybody who was suffering from diseases and illnesses. And he did it then, he can do it now. Now, because we're not quite at the level of Jesus, we don't have 100% success rate when we pray for healing. Um, uh, we're, we're working towards it. <laughs> we're not there yet. But we do pray for healing, and we've seen some quite significant healings that have taken place uh, here in this uh, congregation and in the other, the other sites in Birmingham Vineyard both physical healing and perhaps what's also very important, emotional healing. You know, the, the hurts and the, the, um, the, the agonies that we feel inside, we can, God can actually heal them and he can enable us to face the things of the past without being dragged down and without feeling utterly horrible. God can do a work... Not just in our bodies, but in our souls and our emotions as well. So that was one thing the Jews wanted. Uh, They wanted healing. The second thing in verse 2, after two days he'll revive us and on the third day he'll restore us that we may live in his presence. They wanted to know that they were in God's presence. And some of you today, you may have felt a bit, um, some things are a bit different You know, you felt the atmosphere or sometimes you you feel a bit cold or you feel a bit hot or you feel a bit trembly. And that's often the presence of God. When God comes, he interacts with our bodies and there's often a physical effect. Not always. Sometimes we just feel good. Um, I just felt when we were taking communion, it was just like, oh, this is lovely. I could sit here all day like this, you know, and that is the presence of God. He's here. And uh, just as the Jews wanted the presence of God, his presence is available to us. The last promise Jesus made to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was, I am with you every single day until the end of the age. Every single day he's with us. Whether we feel good, whether we feel bad, whether we're angry, whether we're sad, whether we're happy, whether we're glad, he's with us. His presence is with us. And the third thing the Jews wanted in in chapter, in verse three, they said, let's let's acknowledge the Lord. Let's press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He'll come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. So they say, God's going to appear just like the sun does. The sun is really, really important. If the sun stops shining, we're all dead. I mean, not if it stopped shining like we don't see it, but I mean, if the sun disappeared, because that's what keeps us alive, the warmth from the sun. And um, the rain is absolutely vital for fertility. Now, you might think, yeah, we get too much rain in Sully Hill, especially just recently. You know, you go walking like we were in the forest with our son's dog who we're looking after, and it's all muddy underfoot. But, you know, if you've ever been to a desert area where they don't have rain, you'll be glad that we have rain here because it, uh, deserts are inhospitable places it's sand 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 and they have no rain um incidentally uh the sahara desert is creeping down did you know that so it's getting it's getting more and more wider And places like Chad, I went to Chad many, many years ago in in West Africa and Lake Chad used to be a massive great lake. It's about the third of the size it was because the Sahara Desert is creeping down. So rain is a blessing. And God, this speaking about the sun and the rain is about knowing that God is looking after us by sending sending the sunrise every morning and it gets light every morning. Uh, by sending the rain to fer- to make the ground fertile, God is looking after us. Peter tells us, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So here's three things that are really, I think, crucial. We need healing from God, whether it's physical or emotional. And by the way, we're very happy to pray after the uh, service for healing if anybody wants it. Um, we're very ple- very happy to do that. Uh We need that sense of his presence and we need to know that he is looking after us. The problem was the Jews wanted these things, but then God goes on and says to them this. He says, what can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. I'm walking the Cotswold way at the moment in stages. I had another stage on Wednesday from um, Stroud to Dursley. And when I got off the train uh, at about half past nine in the morning, there was mist on all the hills. Uh, You couldn't really see too much above a certain level. Within an hour, that mist had gone. Uh, Well, it wasn't quite as sunny as it was in Solihull, but the sun did come out finally in the afternoon. But the mist was just there in the early morning. And God says to the Jews, he says, your love is like the morning mist. You know, it's there you You're serious about me for a bit, and then you just you just lose interest. You're like the dew. You know, sometimes if I go out in the morning to get something from my shed, if I forget, if if I keep my slippers on and forget, I come back and my feet are soaking wet with the dew. But within an hour or so, it's gone. And that's an interesting thought for us, isn't it? You know, how serious are we about getting things from God? You know, maybe we want, we need healing. Maybe we would like to be. have that sense of his presence with us, to know that he cares for it, how serious about it are we? You know how much time do we spend in prayer or in looking at the Bible? you know, two or three minutes here and there? Um, how, what, what, what's church all about? Is it just about meeting our friends and having a good time here and enjoying the pizzas at the end, or is it actually to come for an encounter with God? If we really want something... We give time to it. I, um, I must say, I always enjoy uh, watching. I'm, I'm a. I am i am will not tell you which team I support, but I, I'm, a, I'm a football fan, and I watch the um, EFL highlights on Quest. And it always amazes me that you have teams in like the third and fourth divisions, and there's people travelling like two or three hundred miles to go and see their team play. You know, now that's giving serious time, isn't it? And you wonder how much time do we give? to God is it just a, a snatched minute or two here and there how serious are we about our relationship with God it's interesting that they, they did a survey and they found that the more time people spent devotionally reading the Bible the closer, closer they felt to God interesting so I want you to spend three or four minutes looking at these two questions on, the, on your tables if you want to put them up what do you want from God? what do you want? You know, we said, we said something, there might be some other things that you want from God. And what are you doing about it? So give yourself three or four minutes and then we'll come back. Okay. You can carry on your conversations afterwards. Uh, let's, let's move on a bit. So not only were the Jews in Hosea's time, not only were they kind of a bit iffy about whether what they really wanted from God, but the problem was that their behavior wasn't matching up to what they wanted from God. And God says to them, the problem is when I look at you, all I see is the wrong things, the sin that you do. And here's some of the things that he points out. In uh, verse 9 of chapter 6, he says, as marauders lie in ambush for a victim, so do bands of priests. They murder on the road to Shechem, carrying out their wicked schemes and you might say, "Oh, well, that's fine." Well, I've never murdered anybody, and not intending to. Well, I hope not. I mean, you might do. Um, it's. Uh, it's. Um, I remember when we went to Brazil. We actually, you know, we actually met people who had had family members murdered. You know, it was a, a, a life is is cheaper in some countries, and so this is quite relevant. But Jesus gets behind the idea of murder in in Matthew uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, "Actually, the thing that precedes murder is hatred." And anger. Now, who of us can stand up and say that you've never hated anybody or never been angry with anybody? Um, I don't think anybody probably. And Jesus actually wants to uh, help us with these things. If you, if you do feel this hatred or anger in your heart, Jesus really can help us take these things yeah. away. As I know from my own experience, in chapter ten, he says. Uh, I've seen a horrible thing in Israel. Their e is given to prostitution. Israel is defiled. Prostitution speaks of women being degraded, just being treated as objects, not being treated as human beings. And there's a really interesting story of Jesus in uh, Luke chapter seven. Jesus gets invited to this important man's house, big banquet. Uh, the only problem was things start to go wrong when uh, this woman uh, gets through the security guards and finds her way into the room and she's not just any woman she's a really bad woman everybody knows she's a really bad woman she's got a reputation in the whole town uh, then she does a really shocking thing she lets her hair down which you in Jesus's day women should never do publicly and she starts crying and, we, and wiping Jesus's feet with her tears and then breaks open this bottle of perfume and, and the perfume fills the whole room now this important guy Simon his name was He's sitting there going, oh, 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 this Jesus guy, he's not, he's not very good, is he? Because if he was a real prophet, he'd know who this woman was. But Jesus was ahead of the game. And he says to he says a really interesting thing to Simon. The first thing he says to him, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? He said, Simon, do you see this woman? Because Simon didn't see a woman, he just saw a bad person. He didn't see a woman created in the image of God with the dignity of a human being and in our sexualized society so often men are looking at women as sex objects or somebody to fantasise about or maybe sometimes we read about even assaults of girls in school men need to look at women and women need to look at men also not despising them each of us is created in the image of God and we have the dignity of that and when we interact with anybody let us not let us see that humanity let us uh... oh I've got a musical accompaniment it's brilliant <laughs> right uh, actually one church I preached at halfway through we got a taxi message through the, uh, <laughs> the PA system because it was uh, linked in with the local taxi firm anyway <laughs> right jesus saw that woman and you can you can read in luke 7 how it all finished up it was a, it's a wonderful story and he calls us to see each other of the opposite sex as human beings created in the dignity of god hosea tells says to israel they, they practice deceit thieves break into houses bandits rob in the streets deceit so do you say what you mean always, or do you say what you think people want to hear you say? Do you say one thing to one person, another thing to another person? Do you keep your promises? These are all really important things. And then he speaks about our passions. He says in verse 4 of chapter 7, they they're like they're all adulterers, burning like an oven. Whose fire the baker need not stir from the kneading of the dough till it rises. On the day of the festival of our king, the princes become inflamed with wine. And he joins hands with the mockers. Their hearts are like an oven. They approach him with with intrigue. Their passion smoulders all night. In the morning it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are as hot as an oven. We human beings are passionate people. Nothing wrong with being passionate. What are you passionate about? You know, I'm passionate about my wife, for example. Um, people are passionate about a football team. I won't ask if there's any Villa or Blues supporters here. Um, or even worse, Manchester United. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a son-in-law who's a Manchester United season ticket holder. So I'm very interested to see what the derby result is today. Um Anyway, oh, you might be passionate about a group or about a singer. You know, you'd be passionate about many things, but God has created us as emotional beings. But how are we going to channel those passions in the right direction? Because the Jews of Hosea's time were not channeling them in the right direction. They were, It was leading them into wrong sexual behaviour. It was leading them into drunkenness, intrigue and mockery. Mockery is a really dangerous thing, a very damaging thing. We went to the other what a couple of weeks ago. We went to see a, a musical called Sinatra uh, by a guy, a singer called Frank Sinatra, who probably most of you are too young to have ever heard of. Uh, but the people of a certain age, uh, he was actually one of the um, foremost singers of the uh, 20th century. He sold 150 million records in a time when people didn't buy records that much, and uh, he was the, he was the first person to to, to uh, introduce the idea of a concept album. So he was he was pretty. Um, pretty famous. And uh, oh, he's the one who sang My Way. You heard My Way? I did it my way, which I am told is the most popular songs played at funeral services today. <laughs> so there we are. A bit of useless trivia if you're ever in a pub quiz. Um, But the thing with Sinatra was he was of Italian origin and he was very passionate. Unfortunately, he let his passions go the wrong way. He had a series of affairs which broke up his marriage and he had problems with anger. He even punched newspaper reporters, which is not a great thing to do if you want good publicity, is it? And his excuse was, oh, well, I'm a hot-blooded Sicilian. Well, yeah, he was passionate, but his passions went in the wrong direction. And I want you to look now at a couple of questions in your groups. Q questions. Should we be emotional in our relationship with God? And how can we channel our passions in a positive direction? I'll give you three or four minutes for that. Okay. So let's uh, let's come into land now. We... Uh, We've looked at what we might want from God and what we might do about it. We looked at some of the things that might hinder us from getting close to God. How do we get closer to God? And there's one absolutely key verse. It's a short verse. In this, it's chapter 6, verse 6. And it says quite simply this. It's God speaking. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And this is so important that Jesus actually quotes it on at least two occasions. In the, in the Gospels, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Sacrifice is us doing things for God, thinking if I do this, if I give this money, I'll get closer to God. If I spend 10 more minutes a day in prayer, I'll get closer to God. We do things not because God needs them. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our time. But he does love us to interact with him and he loves us to be generous. If we're thinking, gosh, what can I do to get closer to God? We're on the wrong track. That's sacrifice. God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. We need to first of all be merciful towards ourselves. Some of us may feel I'm not good enough for God. I'm no good. We need to have mercy on us, some of us on ourselves. Some of us may feel, I've done something that I could never be forgiven for. I can't even forgive myself for it. But there's a great promise in the Bible that says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin, all sin, all wrongdoing. There is nothing that you have done that is not able to be forgiven by God. And if you think you're not a very good person half of the New Testament was written by a man who persecuted and murdered Christians in the first part of his life before he met Jesus. God's forgiveness is far bigger and God's mercy is far bigger than you would ever imagine. You'd have mercy on yourself and you need to have mercy on other people in your dealings with other people because Jesus said, blessed are the merciful because they'll receive mercy. And, you know, we have to put up with each other, don't we? Let's face it, there's nobody perfect here. You might think you are, but you're not. <laughs> um, we, we all have failings. we all have faults. And some people irritate us, let's be honest, don't they, you know? Um, and this is the opportunity to be merciful to each other. We're built, you know, we're, we're all different. And, you know, if it wasn't for this church, I suppose we'd never perhaps, most of us would never meet each other. Well, it's a fantastically diverse group here, isn't it? You know, ranging from age, what, about about age nine to 89? You know, I think that's fantastic, isn't it? But it means we were also very different. And in interacting with each other, when we get a bit annoyed with each other sometimes or people do things that we don't like, there's the opportunity to be merciful towards them. Because when we're merciful to other people, we're able to receive God's mercy. We were studying James recently and he said, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And we see it in Jesus. When Jesus was dying on the cross for my sin and for your sin to bring us back to God, while he was dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. The, forgive the people who were putting him to death, the most agonizing death. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's mercy. That's his mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy and he wants us to give him. He wants us to receive that mercy. So what do you want from God? What are you prepared to do about it? Is the behaviour in your lives that you need to to change to um, remove a blockage with God? And are you going to be merciful to yourself? and merciful to other people so that you can receive this wonderful mercy and compassion on God and enjoy a relationship with him. The sort of relationship that Rachel spoke about where we, earlier on where we can receive God's love. Know that we are loved and able to love. Let's just stand up and just be quiet for a moment and allow God to bring those words home to us. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, BirminghamVineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.